The following is a production of Shark Flight Media. Now entering the nexus of geekery and guy world in three, two, one, mark. Do you know what the secret of life is? One thing, just one thing. You know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. This is the Dudes in Hyperspace podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a momentous edition, very momentous edition of the Dudes in Hyperspace podcast. Kind of a bittersweet one, I would add to that. I am your host, Ian J. Malone, joined as always by my partners in crime, Kevin Stevenson, Rob Howell. We'll get to those guys here in just a second. As always, though, I want to say thanks to our presenting sponsor. Presenting sponsor has been with us for well over a year now, uh, has contributed a ton of cool stuff to this show, uh, and is just all out great people. When you are a program and you get a sponsor, you're always happy to be compensated for your work. It's a, it's a partnership. They push you, you push them. But then there are those wonderful marriages when you just really are proud to stump for that that group, that organization. And that is hands down, without a doubt, Chris Kennedy Publishing. They are message-free sci-fi with a slice of fantasy, guys. You know this by now. Go to their website, check them out at chriskennedypublishing.com, learn about their series, learn about their books, their authors. Sign up for the mailing list while you're there. Check that out because you get free stuff all the time. Um, you get heads up on early releases, new stuff in audio every week. There's news coming out of CKP and you're probably not going to catch that from the algorithm gods on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you're at, but a newsletter, you damn skip You're going to get that sucker every week and you don't want to miss it. So again, that's all at chriskennedypublishing.com. Also want to give a shout out to the other sponsor that's been with us for a while now. The International Association of Science Fiction and Fantasy Authors, IASFA. Uh, we say it at, at, you know all the time, guys, because it's true. It doesn't matter if you're a writer or if you're a reader, there's something for you. Go to their website at IASFA.org. Make sure you sign up for their newsletter as well, because every month they're running book giveaways. And all the time they got new, auth- uh, new opportunities for authors to get to know each other and grow their craft. Again, that's IASFA.org. International Association of Science Fiction and Fantasy Authors. Well, as noted at the top, now that I've kind of got the housekeeping out of the way, this is a momentous episode for us, guys. Uh, We are going to be going on indefinite hiatus for a while. Uh, Dudes in Hyperspace is is not going away permanently forever and ever, amen, but we are going to go away for a while so we can all kind of go about our different ways and and do some new creative things. Uh, I would wager we will probably crop up on a platform here or there uh, near you at some point down the line. But uh, in the meantime, we've got other stuff we want to do, and uh, and we're going to do that for a while. So having laid all of that groundwork for you, folks, I'm going to welcome in my guys, Kevin Steverson, Rob Howell. How are we doing tonight, uh, doing tonight fellas? Doing, doing good. good. Yeah. Rob, I'll let you lead off, man. What's up in Kansas? Oh, my goodness. What's up in Kansas? <laughs> so much. It's been an eventful uh, fall last few weeks for me. But I want to – we'll get to all the events and all the cool stuff. I just want to say this has been a great time, and I, I, who knows when we'll be able to do this again. And yeah. and uh, But, man, I really appreciate the opportunity that you gave me um, to join the show, and I've had a great time doing it and uh, really taught me a ton of how this process works. And uh, just thanks very much. I really appreciate it. No problem, man. It's been a blast. Kev, what's happening in Georgia, man? It's all good in Georgia. We just we just biding time till yep. New Year's Eve. So uh, you know, it, it's 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 that time of year. Playoffs coming. So. Yeah, 
And this is the last year where it's just four. Next year, I guess there's um, 12 teams, which. Is that next year or is that in 24? Uh, The Rose Bowl um, signed the thing a couple or a week or so ago that, and I think that was the remaining hurdle. All right. So I think it is next year. And I, I, you know, there's people that like both sides of that, but listen, listen, if you're sixth, seventh and beyond, you're going to get the crap kicked out of you. Okay. If you're eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th, you're 12th, you're going to get the crap kicked out of you. That's just going to happen. Right. So I mean, judging by the fact that Kevin just jumped straight into college football, I think I we guess we're talking college football. <laughs> so we talk anything we want to, and that's—I mean—that's first and foremost right now. There's a lot going on in college football. They just opened, oh god, yeah, open the stinking portal, and oh yeah, you know. And I, I know how you feel about the portal, Ian. But listen, let me go ahead and put this out there. Yeah, I'm a Georgia homer, but no, listen, no listen. really, Georgia <laughs> lost 13 to the portal this year. Georgia lost. 15, which was the record, by the way, to the draft and turned around and their defense is better than last year. Mm. Guess how many Georgia brought in from the portal? All these athletes coming in. Guess how many? Everybody guess. How many? Not one. Not really? one. Okay. So well, that, that, that whole happened this that year. Whole, but that's okay. The portal thing is what did it for Georgia, yada, yada, yada. Negative. You know what did it for Georgia? Him allowing his players to play the last quarter and a half of every game once they right. got ahead. And he did it again this year, which means next year you got kids with experience. Yep, if they don't leave. That's the way you should coach. You should let everybody play. Yep, yes, you should. Absolutely agree. Um, yeah, yeah, so not to just completely jump on the, the college football wagon, but sure, I'll go there. In case you guys haven't noticed at home, we have no plan for this show. This is totally what we feel like talking about when we talk about feeling like it. Something. I swear that was my first beer. Like I should have been able to get that and, out. And you guys should know that normally Ian's like, we got to do it this way and this way and this way. Ian's so mean to it. I mean, all the things he says to us behind the scenes, he's so hard on us. Well, no, I listen, man, college football, the, the college football that I grew up with, the college football that I love that ship sailed years ago. So I'm, I'm very much of the mind that let's just go ahead and blow the whole thing up. Um, you know, let's, let's pick the 40 best programs in America Break them away from the NCAA, make one giant super conference, four divisions, 10 teams apiece. And, uh, you know, let's set salary caps. Let's get everybody working off of the same television deal. So we're all getting the same revenue. And at that point, it's the NFL light. And it comes down to how's your program? How's your coach? How's your management? May the best may the best program win. But, um, you know, but like I told you, man, I mean, Georgia can can win lots of games because they can afford to pay the best talent. It's why Marvin Jones Jr. is not in Florida State, not Florida State where he should be. He's in Georgia because they could pay him triple what we could. I mean, it just is what it is. It's not illegal now. <laughs> you, can, you can totally own that and you uh, you have every right to. That's the game now. And so that's why I say, man, let's just go ahead and, and set a level playing field here. Let's have contracts. You know, I mean, Rob, you're an NFL guy. So throw it to you for a second, man. How would you like it if every year every member of the Dallas Cowboys was a free agent? Everybody's on a one-year deal. How how would that work for you? It'd be total bedlam every year in the NFL offseason. It would probably go really well for the Cowboys. Because they could just pay everybody? Because the Cowboys are like the Yankees. Honestly, I mean, Jerry Jones sacrificed the Cowboys winning in 92. 
Yeah. When he agreed to the new contract and the new structure, which balanced everything out. A lot of people don't realize that. Uh, But because the Cowboys, even in 92, coming off the Super Bowl, but prior to that, they'd been so bad. They were still drawing more than anybody else. So the point that is that, you know, you got your Georges and your Bamas and your, your teams that are, you know, sort of already always up there, Ohio State, whatever. Right. They're going to still get their players. And the players that want to leave are going to be the ones who aren't getting as much of a shot as they think they should. Maybe they aren't. Um, but they're going to do what, what uh, you know, Kevin was talking about there. They're going to hop from Georgia to, okay, I'd rather yeah. start at Florida State than – Mm-hmm. ride the pine in Georgia. Yeah. And and to be honest, I can't blame them. If you're if you're if you're at that level, you need to play so that you can yeah. improve your chance to, to play at the NFL level. Yeah. You, you can look at a lot of these guys to have three two to three transfers in a career if they're any good. Because unless you're five star Joe America, you're gonna come out of high school, you're gonna go to a school as a three or a four star, and you hope to splash your you know your freshman year. And if you do all right, I'm going to declare it for the portal. I'm going to transfer. And now it's a bidding war to get your services at the next school that you go to. And then you hope to really cash in there. And then you announce that you're going to transfer again and try and, and cash in at least one more time before you're out of eligibility. That's, that's the way this is going to work now. Huh? How many times can they do the portal? Is there a limit on that? I don't know, but who cares? The NCAA is a toothless animal, man. Don't, don't, you, they, you should not respect their rules. Cheat. Like seriously, go cheat. I have no respected the S- the NCAA rules or just the organization in decades. Yeah. So there's there if there are rules, then who cares? They're they're not enforceable. So go do what you got to do, man. Seriously. Um. Anyway, so guys, I did actually kind of want to get off onto some book stuff because we are writers. And- <laughs> Because that's kind of what a lot of people Let's like take to away talk. from Ian's cynicism for just a moment. <laughs> right? We'll, we'll break away from my cynicism about the state of college football for, for a minute. Um, but we are, FSU we are, did all right this year. Huh? Your FSU did all right this year. Better. Yeah, we did okay. Yeah, for being a, a team of rejects uh, that a whole lot of people didn't want. Uh, I was really proud of our coaching staff and the way they pulled them together. I still got real concerns about our defense and our defensive coaching staff, but that's another conversation for another day. We didn't have a losing season. We didn't have a losing season. There you go. Go Jayhawks. There you go. <laughs> so, but we'll, oh, just, I promise. Just for, I promise just for we'll clarification. Good. Um, August 1, it said there was a new rule requires a player to sit out for one year if they enter the portal a second time. So you gotcha. literally they can't play. They got to sit for a year. So okay. one one time is what it boils down to. I got gotcha. you. Pretty much. Well, we'll, we'll see how long. There's that, no exemptions. We'll we'll see how long that stands up until somebody decides that they want to challenge it, and they should. You know, NCAA is a is a gutless organization. It's when you suck at your job worse than Congress, you pretty well don't have any need to be. And that's kind of how I feel about the NCAA and Congress for that matter. But this is not that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so book stuff guys we're in december it's 2022 man we've all had a lot of really cool stuff happen this year from podcasting to writing different events we've done a uh, lot of stuff to you know to just look back on and make you smile man rob i'm gonna let you kind of lead off on this talk to me about your 2022 highlights dude it's been a big year for you well it has as i ended up editing over a million words and and uh you know published a book again and had a great short story come out that I'm really pleased with and and a number of other things 
honestly, my biggest highlight this year is is really just sort of you. When I ended twenty one, I said, "Man, I learned so much in twenty one. I'm so ready for twenty two. And and in twenty two, I'm like, "Oh my God, how much more did I learn this year that I I was so clueless back in twenty? You know, just a year ago yeah. at this time. And and I suspect that may be true in twenty three. But right now, I am so anxious for for what twenty two is going to be. Um, so much progress on so many skills. I'm so excited. Cool. Kev, how about you, man? Looking back on 2022, lots of highlights, I, lots of events, lots of cons. You got yeah, anything to jump out at you? Yeah, you know, I, I you know, you, you look back on the whole year and you go, well, crap, I didn't realize that. And I was published nine times this year. Yeah. Now, the majority of them were short stories. And of course, you know, no, I had not had a novel, the third novel there with Eikenberry and, and that kind of thing. But I, I didn't really, you know, it didn't really dawn on me. I thought, you know, it's kind of a goof off year, what it felt like. Yeah. But no, there was there were stories everywhere. So I mean, I you know, uh, that novella that just came out. That's that's not with CKP. That's the first thing I'd really written without CKP. But I mean, it's it's with Kevin J. Anderson. So I couldn't turn that down. You know. Sure. Yeah, you got a retweet out of me on that one, by the way. Yeah, and then, and then and then the whole uh, omnibus will come out in March with all the stories in it. So you know, that's just it's just something you can't turn down. You get on the cover with people like that, Kevin McLaughlin, Kevin J. Anderson, sure, you know, Bill Webb. You know what I mean? You just you got to do it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's just I don't know. I guess a busier year than I thought. A lot going on with CKPI. I mean, we went over a hundred books in German, and French is getting ready to really kick off. And so it's it's just just staying busy, man. Yeah, you've done a great job with CKPI. I'm really excited about what that means for yep. all of us, to be honest. Yeah, yep. the CKP as a whole, because it's it's. I mean, obviously, it's a bigger company now, so. Well, I I know Chris for one is very proud of it. They uh the subject of CKPI came up on the Future Books podcast, which uh kiddos, if you're not listening to the CKP Future Books podcast hosted by Randall Willis, seriously, what do we got to do here, man? Go check them out. If you want to know the latest and greatest on what's happening around CKP, that's where you go. Uh and the subject of CKP and and the whole international thing came up in conversation when Chris kind of did his look back on 2022 and look ahead to 2023 and and, uh, you know, everybody was really proud of that work, man. The fact that you guys are now heading into France and doing some yeah. stuff there is uh, it's sweet stuff, man. You, that's big time kudos that are well-deserved. A lot of work behind it, I'll tell you. Yeah. So, but How about you, all- Ian? What are you most proud of for, for this year? Uh, you know, this was uh, – it, it, it certainly wasn't a goof-off year. Um, you know, managing to get Argonaut done, uh, that that tapped out at around 97,000 words. That's the longest one I've cranked out in a while. Uh, that was really rewarding. It was, a, it was a pet project in a lot of ways. Um, it was a really different book to write. Um, you know, you know, and we've talked about this on this show before. It, it was a book that required me as a writer to juggle a lot of things. You know, not just story, but creating a game that hopefully makes sense to people on the page. Um, you know, where you can you can by the time you get to the end of it, when these guys are talking strategy and stuff, and there's not a whole lot of exposition to explain everything for you. Hopefully, I've trained you to that point as the reader that you get it and you know what's happening. So, you know, getting to channel a lot of things. Uh, I will go ahead and leak a, a little bit of news here. Um, the blurb for that, the back cover matter. Uh, I got to lead off with a quote from Herb Brooks, head coach of the uh, 1980 U.S. Men's Olympic Hockey Team. Uh, managed to work some stuff out with the Herb Brooks Foundation, and they gave me permission to use a a very famous quote from him at the top of the uh, the top of the back cover matter. 
And that should set the tone for what I think is the story. And the quote is, is the one everybody knows it's, you know, great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's, you know, very much what we have in, in the story on a lot of levels, but it's, it's still one that fits very snugly, I think, into the salvage title mythos. And it's one that hopefully fans of that, you know, that series and that franchise, you know, it will feel very familiar to them. So uh, anyway, you know, finishing Argonaut was a, was a big challenge, but one I'm really happy to, you know, to have, have gotten done. And I'm really anxious to get that out to the world. And I hope people enjoy it because it's, it's a feel good ride, man, from top to bottom. It is definitely one that's meant to make you smile. And I think, you know, for a lot of people in this, this last year, two, three years, really, we need more of that, man. (laughs) Like like I'm, I'm all about things that make me laugh and make me smile, you know? So, uh, so that's cool. You know, in, in non-writing, uh, it's been a very busy year for us. The, the move back to Florida, you know, we did that, uh, last August. So August of 2021, but really the whole back end of 2021 for us was just trying to get settled here in a rental house, get the kids set up in school, get all of our crap done from North Carolina, get the house in North Carolina sold, get a house bought in Florida, get out of the rental into the new house. So it really wasn't until after New Year's when we got a chance to to really get rolling in our new place. And it's, a you know, having survived Hurricane Michael, like a lot of houses in this area, uh, it had been, you know, massively fixed after the storm. But there were still a lot of things about it that needed some work. And so that's been a lot of my years. Whenever I log off from day job, I'm out in the yard and I should have taken before and after pictures of everything that we've done here because it's been it's been a lot, a lot of projects, a lot of stuff, a lot of coordination, a lot of contractors, a lot of everything. But um, but we got it done. Yeah. Nice. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really thank, proud thank of it, God. the way that it looks now. Thank God you bought that it? house early in the year before the the dang uh interest rates changed yes yeah we we lucked out and we lucked out in that regard we did not get stuck with you know a six percent apr uh we we got something much lower than that which was cool yeah but um but anyway but yeah so it's been a it's been a busy 22 for me on a personal level and a professional level as a writer um but definitely stoked about where i've come and where i'm headed you know being being down here is Panama City is such a more accessible area to me than Raleigh-Durham ever could be. And a lot of that is the size, but a lot of that is just the temperament and the people around here. You know, it's it's very easy just to meet people, whether it's other writers, whether it's other people in media, whether it's the, you know, the local coordinator over at the public library who coordinates events and things getting plugged in there. You know, it's it's very easy to get access to it if you're just that person who can ask questions. And you guys know me, I'm not bashful. <laughs> when I when I need something, I go, I go hawk it down. And down here, that's that's gotten me a lot of inroads in a lot of different places. So whether it's writing or whether it's media and broadcasting, um, I'm actually kind of in talks with a, a couple of radio stations down here to possibly go back into that line of work on a on a part-time basis and get back into the radio biz. Don't know if that's gonna happen or not. I hope it does if we can work it out. Um, you know, but that that would be something I could get into. Also talking with some local writers down here about doing some collaborations and things, uh, whether it's to set up you know monthly meetings and and things to talk craft and do a lot of the stuff we do on the show, uh, or whether it's to talk actual, okay, well, let's hash out an anthology. What do we want that to look like? And then go from there. 
So I'm I'm pretty excited about it and where where we could be heading in 2023. Yeah, how about you, man? Looking ahead to 2023, what's on your horizon? Uh, well, I mean, immediately before that, I got a I got a short story I owe Rob for the months out. Yeah. So got that going on. So sometime I'll start that. Um, but <laughs> it's okay. I haven't even finished reading all the submissions after. I know. Uh, I, I, yeah. So I don't. I don't. I it's it's. It's a short story. It's seven to what eight thousand, nine thousand words. Seven basically. to ten. Yeah. So I mean, three days. You know. So once you, once you always give me good stuff, it. I'm not stressed about it. Yeah. And once. Yeah. And the idea it is, is there. It just got to actually type. You know. So. It, I stagger that. By the way, I, for those who don't know, the the deadline for Bonds of Valor was the thirtieth. So last week. And uh, that um, for the people who that was for the the open call, the people who are um, who were invited in, I give an extra month for the very simple reason. It takes me about a month to go through all the the submissions, read through all of them and determine who's going to be who's going to be the choices are get them edited because they usually take a little bit more editing because it's usually less experienced folks. talented just haven't had much opportunity and then you know then i i just need a little bit of extra a little bit of extra time with them so if anybody's wondering why there was a difference there it's just simply because i want to make sure i can take care of the the blind the 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 open call submissions and give them the proper time without having to run around the last minute right cool 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 Rob, what are you looking yeah. ahead to in 2023, man? Well, uh, more books out. I mean, whether I'm publishing them, whether I'm I'm uh, writing them, uh, I am in the midst. It's time. It has been a while for me to redo my entire set of stuff. And I had originally planned to do that with Eldros Legacy, but again, they wanted to go a, a slightly different direction, and I simply only had the spoons to do one publishing company, and that's CKP. So I'm going to redo all of my books within uh, CKP. It's going to get called the Firehall Sagas. I think I've mentioned it here once or twice. Mm-hmm. I've got logo, new logo that I'll be talking up coming fairly soon. Um, I've been re-editing, and, and boy... I love the story of Lake Most Deep, as I've mentioned, um, but man, I'm such a better writer. And and I'm just really anxious to to turn these books into something more what I am now. Just simply, yeah. I, I, I want to see them all out. I want to see them with the, with, you know, better of, of everything. And I want to see them on the shelf. And at the same time, I want to have a, by the end of it all, I'll have another book out and a, and cause I'm mostly done with a, uh, the next Edward novel, and then maybe even an, and then an Edward novel complete the uh, Forester saga in twenty two with uh, the Feasting of Vengeance, and then mm-hmm. maybe even you know we'll see you know how far I get along in the next Firehall Sagas novel. So that's what I'm looking forward to is just being more productive this year. There was a bunch of two steps forward, one step back as I learned things, and I, I'm I'm excited to to go forward. How many books are you eyeballing to put out next year? Rob Howell books, not new mythology books, but just Rob Howell books. As re-releases? You're rebranding. As, as re-releases and rebranding? Uh, 11. Holy smokes, dude. Let me count that. Okay, so one of them, so there are 
currently seven books in the Firehall sagas that are written. I've okay. got an eighth almost done. So that's eight. I'm going to finish the Feeding of Sorrows, or excuse me, the Feasting of Vengeance. So that's nine. I want to do a collection of um, ten. Ten total, actually. And then I'm going to take all of the Firehall Sagas stories that I have written in the past, of which there are ten, I think, that have been in No Game for Nights or Songs of Valor, stuff like that, or a number of other places as well. Um, And I'm going to make a short story uh, anthology of those as well. uh, and honestly, one of the things that will also happen in 23 is that I'm going to take all of the Foresters short stories, and when I release, just before I release The Feasting of Vengeance, I hope to have re-edited versions of all four of those put together in, a, in something I'll, I'll republish to lead off for that. And then I'll set that up actually as something that will be printable, like it'll also be print on demand. So I'll have physical copies to sell. So uh, 11, I guess, um, all told. Um, But again, a lot of that is reprinting and republishing a bunch of old stuff. So I really can't, I mean, it's it's work to make it better and work to get it all done. but all my stuff has just needed refreshing for a while. I've, I've been so hard at work at, at, at getting new mythology going, and I, re- I haven't even used my own stuff to build up the, the, the people, you know, build up the readership. And I, yeah. So 23 is a big year. I guess if you look at it like that, I'll probably st- – I, I doubt I get all 11 out in 23 because I'm going to start somewhere around March – and have a release just about every month, but there may be months in there where I have two things coming out um, each month. And again, that's, that's, there's going to be a third Chris Nuttall book, um, Pandora's box from Christopher Nuttall, which is the second of his heirs of cataclysm is out now in pre-order and it has gone gangbusters. Um, and he's got the third one coming. That'll be, I'm guessing it'll be in February. Got more from Trisha Wildridge coming. Uh, I've got another couple of projects that are, you know, forming. Um, and so when when Firehall Saga's stuff gets re-released by the end of that, we've got a bunch of new stuff that'll be following that. So, yeah, I guess when you think about it, yeah, there's probably going to be something like that coming out. And, and that doesn't count any other short stories that may, opportunities. Right. I don't know that I'll have more uh, bandwidth in there for, like, two novels next year two new two new novels will be enough i think right but sure. who knows about short stories what um, is um is there a place where people can go for a one-stop shop update on information for new mythology obviously they can follow your your update from rob howell but is there a, a spot where people can go out like i want to know what's happening with new mythology press not just with rob what are, i'm a fantasy reader i like what i've read where can i get info about that where would you send them uh, right now, I would probably send them to the CKP factory floor okay. on um, Facebook. But that is something I am hoping. And, and also there is the blog for Chris Kennedy Publishing overall. But it does get sort of lost in the in the weeds. And so by the end of all of this, I, I do hope to have a single website so I can put on a QR code 
Yeah. Um, like for example, everything on Amazon, and I don't know how that can tag or if that's possible. Um, mm. That's a, a whole another thing I'm looking into. But yes, I, I haven't done a good job of of that. Um, so in in terms of one single new mythology um, setup, I got gotcha. you. I, I can I can point you in the direction of some folks who can help you with that. One, and if you decide you want to pull the trigger on that, that'd be great. Yep, 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 yep. Kev, how about you, man? Twenty twenty three. What are you looking ahead to? You got uh, books coming out. I know, obviously, you got a couple of cons on your radar. But in terms of writing, what's uh, what's coming out from Kevin well, Steverson in twenty three? That that third book in the fantasy series will come out in twenty twenty three. Okay. Um, so that'll be out, and then I got a trilogy that I'm going to write in salvage that I that I've pieced together and got got going. So, and that'll be the main characters. You know, sometimes I get I get messages and emails and that kind of thing, and and they love everybody writing in the universe, but they also, you know, I need to write in it too. Um, so I got you know, I gotta gotta do more. I mean, I've got five books myself in there, six. So you are the guy who literally wrote the book on salvage title. So yeah, yeah, I got I got like well, I really got like six novels in it, you know, so. Uh, how many uh, novels does Nick have so, uh, at this point? He's got a, a trilogy right now, but him and uh, Melissa are, are, are about to give you another trilogy, aren't they? Yeah, they're getting ready to. I've got the first two books in there, and then I've got her second. So, yeah, they're 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 you know they're knocking. Got to keep ahead of your boy. No, nah, I mean, <laughs> hey, listen. The goal in life is for your children to do better than you do. Oh, oh, what a pant load that is. <laughs> That's true. If you, you always want your kids to do better than you. You don't think so? Huh? I'm just busting your chops, man. No, that's the truth. I want him to do better than I do. He's got and he's got a 20 year head start on me too. There you go. By the time he he's my age, he'll have been writing for 20 years. I mean, that's heck yeah. You know, <laughs> you always do. He types faster than I do anyway. Right. Yeah. He, he really I don't know, I've seen you does. type. You're pretty quick. Well, I mean, I just, I got so much on my plate. If, if, if that's all I was doing was writing, you know, then yeah, here, here's six novels a year, you know, Yeah. but I, but I got CKPI. So yeah, real, uh, real quick. I know it's not, it's not related to, uh, to writing and publishing, but I, I still think it's cool. What's your, where are you at with the music end of things right now? Obviously you, you made as a band for a long time. You went out on the road, you got contacts and, and people in Nashville that you, that you keep in tabs with. You do yeah, I got a couple. Yeah, well, I I just had a uh, Tyler put out an EP with five songs, and I co-wrote all five of those. Okay. Um, I was just I was just in contact with ASCAP on some of the stuff that I've written. Um, trying to get something straight on one of the songs that I got royalties on. It's it's uh it came out on a compilation album with uh with Average Joe's and it's a Cypress Spring tune, but. They got to fix that because they owe me a bunch on that back, and it's not the, not the label doesn't know it to me. ASCAP owes it to me, right. so, which is the uh, the royalties on songwriting. So yeah, that thing's doing pretty good. But I mean, I continue to write songs. Tyler and I write. Uh, I'm probably going to go up for a show he's got in February and yeah. just hang out. Kalen is in Nashville now, doing stuff with Cypress Spring himself. But you know, I, I I'm just too old to hit the road like that with those guys sure. all the time, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's that's a rough life. A lot of miles, a lot of hours. So. Sure, but I mean, I also know you're a big fan of of getting into a room somewhere with a guitar and a yeah, notepad yeah. and and coming up with some cool stories put down to tunes. Yeah, so. and and you know, and I'll and I'll make you know, like I, I'm going in February to uh, to a convention that's up in Lebanon, Tennessee, which is about 
20 minutes from Nashville. So I will probably go a day early and set up a couple writing sessions with some friends and that kind of thing. Cool. And just, just write, you know, and see what happens. You know, you write a thousand songs and you get one cut, you know, you never know. Right. So that's certainly, I may not have been told no very, I haven't been told no very much with, with, you know, with books and that kind of thing. That's because I was told no a ton of times and a whole other uh, (laughs) medium. (laughs) That's a, that's uh, a scene that I've been able to kind of plug into a bit down here. That is, uh, has been scene. a lot of fun. I got, I got friends down here who are musicians, a couple of whom gig around town. You'll see on different restaurants and bars and stuff on Friday nights, right. very proficient in what they do and kind of getting back into a circle of people where that's the, that's what they do, you know, right. rather than going out on a, on a Saturday night, we all hook up in somebody's garage with a big bowl of chili and a cooler full of beer and a couple of guitars and just hang out. Yeah, that's a great way to spend a Saturday. You know? It's a good time though. Music is, you know, when I, when I, when I, when we buy finally, uh, when I finally pull the trigger and buy our place and I build my studio in my office, I will have a recording studio in it. Yeah. You know, and then I'll bring Tyler down and Kalen may come up and just, you know, different people that I know in the area and that kind of thing. Uh, yep. So I, I'm never going to get away from that. I'm always going to write songs because it's just, I, I don't want to say it's easy. It's not easy. It's just fun mm-hmm. to write songs. I would like some pointers on that one day when, when we too. have a, when we're hanging around a, a con and we have a little bit of downtime once everything's has shut off for the weekend, I'd, right. I'd like some pointers on just basic one-on-one stuff on songwriting. I mean, yeah, how to, I, not, not a problem. A lot, a lot of people don't realize, you know, how to make sure a song is metered and how, you know, there's, yeah. there's a lot of little things that go with it that you just have to, you know, it, I, is it poetry? Yes, but there's more to it than just poetry. You know what right. I mean? Well, and poetry- there are times when the, there are times when a song doesn't even rhyme. So yeah. is it truly poetry? You know yes. I mean, so uh, po- poetry yeah. does not necessarily require rhyme. Yeah. So the poetry it's, it's, that I learned uh, that I first started writing, in fact, specifically does not have rhymes. And right. then you get into yeah. some of the, the Norse stuff, which is uh, very specific uh, syllable counts along with very intricate uh, mm-hmm. alliteration forms. Yeah. And occasionally there's an interior rhyme, but not an end rhyme right sure mm-hmm. yeah it's it's all about the rhyming scheme and, and just what you're trying to do what type of music you want to, what, what do you want the song to be um yeah we can we can yeah we can definitely sit down and you know you want to bring your guitar to a con sometime or whatever we can write a tune or when i'm down there in florida we can just write one. i gotta i gotta do a lot more practicing before i would ever feel listen can, can, can you give me three chords con. Give, dj butler i am not you can strum three chords. We can write a song. You know what I mean? Nothing to it. I I can probably get you three chords. There you go. We can write one. I get you. Three write, there's been some great songs that were just two chords. So, you know. Well, the the expression three chords and the truth" does come to mind. So yeah, yeah, yeah. There there is that. <laughs> yeah. But it now, but if you can do three chords and a big fat lie that everybody wants to believe, that's a great song. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So what do you guys got on uh, on the radar for cons next year? Rob, I'll give you lead on that one. Well, uh, I get to be one of the guests at MarsCon or MarCon. MarsCon, MarCon, there's, there's one of each. And, I, and one's in Ohio, and, and I'm not going to that. And one's in Virginia in January. Let's say MarsCon's in Richmond, is it not? Yeah, it's yeah, MarsCon. Mars yeah. Yeah. yeah, I always get those confused. Uh, I'm, I'm easily confused, but you guys know that. <laughs> uh, Kevin, you're going to be there too, right? Uh, which one, Marscon? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. I, mean, I know I'm going to Fantasy. I don't know about Marscon. When is Marscon? It's in January. Uh, I don't think I'm on there. 
Okay. Well, yeah. a, a bunch of other CKPP uh, people will be there. Chris will be there. Uh, Casey Azell, of course, she lives in Richmond now. She'll yeah. be there. Um, uh, a bunch of others. I'm really excited about that one. Then following that, I think my next con is Fantasy, and then Planet Comic Con in April, which is local here in Kansas City. Then Liberty Con. And then there's some SEA events. Uh, Penzik is, of course, the big one I plan to go to again. Um, and in the fall, I'll probably go back to 20 books. As to any other cons, I think mostly what I'm going to focus on between now and the next couple of years, um, I went to Midwest Game Fest this past weekend. It's a gaming con, shockingly, with that name, here in Kansas City. And I sold a ton more more than I expected. Like I expected $200 and I got way more than $200 by, by several times. And I found out there that the Kansas city gaming community, which I had really not gotten plugged into is really consistently having events and looking for stuff and was all over my, my books and the four horsemen books. Heck, I sold out of uh, the salvage title books that I had, which is just a couple of copies of salvage title, a couple of copies of It Takes All Kinds. Those were gone Thursday. Uh, and I mean, I was like, what the heck? And they were like, they sell, is- sell a bunch more title. They'll come back looking for the rest online. Exactly. That, that's, <laughs> I'm good with it. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what Chris and I've been talking about. My job selling oftentimes, yeah, it's nice to make a little bit of money, but I don't make that much money going to a show, even with a ton of sales. But what I am doing is getting out the first books of a bunch of series, and right. I did a bunch of that. And so I suspect I'll be going to Midwest Game Fest again, and and there's one here called Border Wars, which is much smaller, but it's a right. it's a gate it's a uh, uh, like a Warhammer. So I'm thinking the 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 Four Horsemen universe might be a big thing there. Mm-hmm. But really need to get into the Kansas City gaming and 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 reading community a lot more than I have. And it's a big this, city. So it, it's a big yeah. city. I haven't done a good job marketing myself here. dude. I, and I don't know if this would, would transfer to Kansas city, but it has certainly done me well here. Reach out to your local library, man. We had Sarah Burris on this program from Panama. Right. City right. That's, that's on my to-do list. Yeah. I mean, they're, they are our library. Anyway, they are constantly hosting events and there are a lot of times, particularly when they're book related, they want authors to be able to come be a part of the programming. And they get programming help and you get a platform. I mean, you're at a library. People are looking to go read. So have at it. I mean, even if it's not a, you know, sci-fi fantasy event, even if it's just a local author event, you still get to get there and it doesn't cost you a dime. I went to the convention for the Georgia librarians here in the state. They invited yep. me, invited eight authors in the state to do it. And I brought a stack of 20 something salvage title and I sold a few. That's one thing. But yeah. the rest I gave to libraries here. Here's yeah. the first book. Here's the first book. Yeah. Here's the first book. And so salvage titles on the shelf all over the state. Well, yeah. you know, somebody that goes in the library, gets something new. Cool. I just read this. What do I do about the second book? <laughs> He's on Kindle Unlimited right now. Yeah. Go. And, and I, and, and that's part of my plan for what's going to happen over the, uh, over the re-release. There's going to be a lot of that sort of a thing. Um, I'm kind of trying to get all of it to, to come out in, in March when it does happen. I want to get, get it really going in March prior to planet comic-con because that's a big sales one. So I I'm hoping to get at least one and maybe two of the re-releases out by that point, along with new banners 
new um new cards and bookmarks and you know the websites in in progress and all these things i'm trying to make sure time to where they're all coming along and that that library is is on that that uh is on that list but i don't really want to start it now today Mm -hmm. for the very simple reason that everything's changing i want for most people i want them to see the new stuff and just go uh um, go from go from there so that, that that's my cunning plan we'll see how well i i do it right <laughs> gotcha but yeah that yeah. sarah's sarah's interview was really like i took a bunch of notes <laughs> yeah and listen that's not going to work for everybody but i mean i can tell you from firsthand experience i've been a part of a couple of events down here now and people came up and wanted to know who i was and at the very least, I met some of the other, you know, writers here in my local area. And we were actually talking about this off air before we started recording. That can lead to anything. That can lead to, hey, here's a group of people I can get together with over coffee or over a beer and talk about craft and marketing and all that. Or it could be, well, let's put together an anthology. You guys got any ideas? You guys want to put together a novella? You know, a collection of novellas, something like that. What, you know, where can that go? Just because I went and, and gave 45 minutes of my time to a panel at the library. So. There's been some talk by one of the people I met at uh, Midwest Game Fest. She wants to get together a writing crew. Uh, she's actually a game designer writer who wants to turn into fiction. And mm. she's got, she was one of the guests of honor at that Game Fest because she's big in the, the game writing world. Um, so who knows, maybe we'll be meeting at Brewbakers to, as, as writers, because I bet I can bet they'd offered their space. They've got a space in the back. That'd be perfect for it. I got to tell you, we, uh, we briefly were trying to get the, um, the head guy, the head chef bartender guy over at Brew Bakers to come on the show and just scheduling conflicts. We couldn't make it work, but through that process, I did some digging around on their website, just to kind of find out what they were about. I so want to go there and drink beer and eat food. <laughs> oh, it is really good. <laughs> it looks it really good. Really, I mean, he's got a very interesting past. Rubis is, uh, he was he was one of those he he's trained he's a trained chef yeah and he was at a couple of places like in Breckenridge the really ritzy five star places that are you know catering to just those people coming in I want to I want that one time experience because I'm here for yeah. skiing and uh, he's just like he came to Kansas City for a variety of reasons you know like his family was was it was better for his family and whatnot. And he said, you know, I really did all that and it was fun and it was neat to be one of those creators. But now I want to, I don't want to create a single dish. I want to create this awesome place for people. And so that's right. what he's done. I have so much respect for people who frankly have the balls to step out and do that, to say, I'm going to, I'm going to launch my own restaurant or I'm going to launch my own bar or I'm going to launch my own music mm-hmm. venue. There and just have the hustle and the that. what for to be able to go out and put it on the line to oh, launch yeah. that. And they just well, got some good giant news, cojones, man. When I they opened my pizza some... restaurant years ago, it was eight in the morning till one in the morning every yep. single day. Yeah, that, that's Ruben's pretty much man. every yep. day. Stacy yep. would bring the kids to see me at the restaurant. Yeah, yep. That's yep. one of the reasons why I love hanging out at bars and I love eating at restaurants. I don't have I don't have that passion to go into that line of work, man. Because I know that schedule. I have known many, many people in the hospitality industry, and they put in hours that suck. I worked 14 months straight once, and that included Christmas Day where I went in and did inventory. Yeah. Not a day off. 
yep. period because of that. And, you know, <laughs> thank God I sold them before it all went crazy and they went back into service. But <laughs> yeah, there was a time when, cause there were five of, had five restaurants and built up to five restaurants and I, there was no time off. That's another thing you're going to teach me how to do at some point, man, is how to make my own pizza. I'd, I'd like a little bit of like yeah. some pointers on that. Yeah. 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 You want to make your own sauce? I'll tell you which tomatoes to use. It's, you, you can't just use any tomato. Okay. You know what I mean? So it's, All right. yeah. See, that's, yeah, yeah. that's the stuff I like to know is, okay, if you want the sweeter sauce, you're going to do this. If you want more of a, of a savory flavor, you're going to well, go you know, with this. Uh, Papa John's uses Roma tomatoes only. Okay. And that's, that's, you know what I mean? If you bite into a Roma tomato, you're like, that is reminiscent of a Papa John's pizza sauce. And you, you could taste it. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, yeah, we could. All I know is that I'm going to make my pizza sauce with, with a hell of a lot more garlic and oregano and and basil than any, but anyone you'll ever find. Cause man, I, I see a recipe online and I, I triple or quadruple the amount of, of those spices. And then I go, yeah. oh, that's not enough. I need to triple yeah. her again. Dude, I love <laughs> I love garlic in that. So, and particularly in Italian cuisine, man. Love yeah. garlic. You can never have too much garlic in that. I love garlic too. 54 years vampire free. Thank you very yes, much. Yes, sir, baby. Yes, sir. Well, you know, Stacy can only eat turkey. So I make her turkey burgers when I make hamburgers. And most people are like, turkey burgers are kind of plain. Not when I get done with them, because I'm using garlic and I'm using onions and I'm using, you know what I mean? Yeah. And and literally garlic on the burger. Mm-hmm. You know, so you got to be creative on a turkey burger, oh, man. Yeah. And it's the flavor is there. So. so I wonder, because when I make hamburger, a lot of times, hamburgers, a lot of times, yeah, I throw in onion flakes and I throw in garlic and I throw in uh, a little bit of salt and pepper and whatnot. But I also throw in blue cheese crumbles. And then it's, I put more cheese yeah. on top because yeah. more cheese. Yeah, I'm not a big blue cheese guy, but some people like it. Lost meal. I like blue cheese for buffalo wings, but I don't. I don't need blue cheese in my burger. Like, I, I oh, like it's really good. Wings. It's real, but you've got to like blue cheese first. And I love blue cheese. I wonder what that'd be like with turkey. I mean, because turkey and beef have obviously a much different flavor profile to start with. It's a little bland. You got to add some flavor into the turkey, but she can't have she can't have mammals, so she has to eat fowl or. You know, I'm not going to get her. I can't talk her into frog legs and I can't talk her into, you know, turtle or gator. Well, so and who, I, I don't blame her a bit. She's a smart well, Frog legs are outstanding. Who are you kidding? Dude, I can't, I can't do it, man. I tried. I couldn't, couldn't do it. Did, didn't do anything for me, man. What about gator? And I'm yeah, born, yeah. bred and raised in the South. I can't do frog legs, man. What about gator? You like gator tail? Uh, I've only had gator, gator tail a couple of times and it was so battered up before it was fried that, I mean, I mean, yeah, they're, it's so expensive. They're making turns, a little bit go a long way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Kev, what uh, what cons you got on the docket for next year, man? I am I am going to confinement in February, which is in Lebanon, Tennessee. Then I'm okay. going to Fantasy. Okay, and I'm going to Liberty Con, and I'm okay. going to Imaginarium in July. I'm, uh, Imaginarium's in Cincinnati. Um, Louisville, isn't it? Louisville. Louisville. Okay. Yeah, I believe it's Louisville. Right. Um, and it, I'm, I'm a spotlight guest author or whatever there. And I think I'm going in uh, in October again. I'm going to go to um, Halocon, which is right here in Georgia, in Dalton, Georgia, mm-hmm. and they're in the mountains. And then uh, 20 books. So Okay. You doing Factory I, Con next year? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a given. I'm always doing Factory Con. Yeah. I have yet to do Factory Cabin Con. I really want to get to one of those. It's, it's, it's a great hangout. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, and I'd like to go to Factory Con, but we'll see what the money is like because it is such a hike from here. Yeah. But well, the the thing I understand about Factory Con and the reason I want to do it is it's it's more than just a CKP hangout. Like, not only are there collaborations and things that are born out of, out of those weekends, but they also get around campfires and talk about craft and talk about okay, well, here's here's some new things that I'm doing with marketing, or I did this with my website, or I'm right. playing around with a YouTube channel or whatever. Right. And all of that stuff is such an evolving creature. You know, it, it's always nice to sit around a group of people who are playing with different things because it keeps you sharp. Because I'm not gonna lie to you, man, and not to get off in the like the craft weeds here. My my author platform, as it were, has gotten pretty stale over the last year or two. Like I got to do some different stuff to kind of spruce that up because just, you know, social media and podcasting and all that, it just doesn't seem to be it doesn't seem to be getting me the, the you know, the results that I would like. And I know the newsletter right. is tried and true. You got to have that. And I'm working on that. But outside of that, finding new ways to kind of get my name and my brand out there. I'm I'm all for fresh ideas on the best ways to be able to do that based off of current trends. And I think going to things like 20 books, going to things like Factory Con, you get to sit around with other authors and find out what's working for them and take notes. I'm a fan. Now, Especially what are these kick ass seafood involved like they have at Factory Con? <laughs> oh my god, yeah. One of the things that you might be interested in, uh, we talked about 20 books here and Brian Cohen had a presentation on this sort of thing at 20 books and one of the things smart guy that one yeah one of the things he emphasized was one of our failures often is is we do too much and we because we do too much we don't do any of it well um and basically he suggested going to finding out what the minimum viable product was was his term and i'm given to understand that that's a fairly common term but he says, if you can do that consistently, consistent mediocrity, and get that programmed into yourself over a couple of months, then you add one more thing, then you add one more thing, then you add one more thing. And, right. and you know, one of the things that I should have mentioned earlier that I'm going to be bringing, it's sort of going to take up the time that I was doing for this, but that I'm going to start doing in January, is I'm going to start doing... It, one of the things he said is that find something that that's you that you like to do and do that first because you're more likely to keep with yeah. it and all that. So one of the things I, I'm going to do to try and create another platform for my writing, I like to write Anglo-Saxon riddles. They are written in an ang in Anglo-Saxon poet the poetic style. Yeah. They've got all sorts of clues hidden in the kennings and the way the words are phrased and stuff like that. And you've seen some of these, of course, from Tolkien's riddle scene with uh, Bilbo and Gollum, but it's much older than that. Um, I'm going to start doing a, um, and I'm not sure if it's going to be Patreon or what, but I've been writing some riddles, got some riddles that I've, I've written previously that I'm going to be putting up one every couple of weeks where I'll put it up. I'll let people guess for a couple of weeks. And then the following one will have the answer with all the clues explained and do that as a subscription service for a dollar um, a riddle. So not much at all. And and we'll see if it if it takes off. But I will tell you, it it it's not that much work. It's something I love doing. I really enjoy You talk yeah. about writing songs. I will routinely drive around the car and start getting all these riddle couplets in my head. And right. uh, and and I just haven't always written them down. If I start writing them down, I'll have consistent 
working. It may not, it's not going to be a ton of money. I, I don't expect there are going to be hundreds of thousands of people banging at my door to offer me a dollar yeah. per riddle, but you know, there'll, there'll be some, there'll be some, and, and, you know, it's a fun thing for me to do if I can get in the habit of it. Right. Then I add one more thing, like Brian was talking about, then add one more thing, but just do a minimum amount, but get doing it all the time. Make sure everybody relies on it. I will one, say- one thing I have done well is that my newsletter has gone out on Thursday evening, pretty much every time for the last three years. And the, yeah. I, I missed one in January because of COVID and I missed once because of 20 books, but I announced the 20 books ahead of time. Other than that, for the last couple of years, I've been on that, and that has helped my my responses on those. I've I've seen yeah. that. Yeah, robhowell.org, folks. Definitely make sure you go check his out. Um, I think just about all three of us have newsletters, so make sure yep. you sign up because we give you first alert news, and we give you information on free books and stuff that you won't get on social media. Because, again, and I know I hit this at the top, but I'll hit it again because I, I think it's important, and I just don't think it really resonates with a whole lot of people. Dude, when you turn on Facebook or you turn on Instagram particularly, you're getting what the algorithm thinks you need to see, right? And that, particularly with Facebook, really pisses me off. I'm not on Instagram enough to be able to to tell you one way or the other how that works because I'm legally blind. I can't see the damn pictures on my phone. So what do I have any need for a freaking picture-based social network for? But anyway... But, you know, on Facebook, whenever, you know, people that I follow, so like local restaurants and bars and people around this area, they'll have events. And I see the post like three days later. Hey, this happened on Saturday. Well, that's great. It's Tuesday and I missed it. And I would have gone to that had I known about it. And I just don't always think to, well, let me go over to History Class Brewing Company and and find out what they've got going on. But I subscribe to their newsletter and that's why I don't miss it because every Wednesday – They send me the newsletter with their weekend of events. Hey, here's what's going on with trivia. We got live music going on Friday and Saturday. Sunday, we've got this happening, this event, you know, this charity event, blah, 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 blah. Here's all of our new beers that are on tap. Here's what food trucks we have this weekend. Come check us out. I I would be screwed if I relied on Facebook for all that information. So to you guys, the listeners, man, if you're not signing up for the newsletters for your favorite writers, go do that. It's the best thing you'll ever do. It really, really is. Um, Kev, how about you, man? You got any any kind of thoughts or pointers on on just ways, new ways you can kind of connect with your readers over the next year? Your big newsletter oh. guy. Obviously, people need to sign up for that at kevinstevenson.com. But yeah. uh, but anything else you, you like to play around with? Well, the newsletters are, are the big thing. Um, it's hard. I mean, you know, posting on Facebook, don't always post just my book, my book, my book, buy my book. You know, so obviously right. you want to post other things. I mean, I stuck on there that Stacy's making breakfast for dinner tonight. And the last time I looked, it had 50 something likes. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. just a regular, just, hey, this is what's happening. And, you know, just interesting. Now, stuff did like you that. post that on your Facebook profile? Yeah, just or my your profile. author page. Yeah. My profile. I didn't put it on my author page. Gotcha. Just put it on my profile. See, I try and keep my personal profile as my personal profile. That's well, family I, stuff. That's yeah, all I, of that. My everything else goes on my author page. And a lot of yeah, that is yeah. by design. Like, I can't. I don't have the ability. I'm not like you guys. I can't just go out and take a picture and then you know write up some really you know extensive two or three four sentence post to pair with that and then send it out to the world. I have to take a picture and then email it to myself and then write the post on my computer where I can see what I'm doing and then upload right. it through Buffer. And right. Facebook will not let you do that with a Facebook profile. They will only right. let you use that type of system with a page, which sucks uh, because they throttle pages. 
case you yeah. can't tell, I'm not a big fan of Facebook. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I, I put everything on my regular page too, because yeah. I mean, through the years, it's you know, so many different people. Well, I, music in there, and just you know, I I think uh, I I'm probably stuck on Facebook for at least two 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 to three years, yeah. but I kind of want to wean myself completely away from Facebook. I've been leaning on Twitter, Rotary twenty one twelve on at Rotary twenty one twelve on Twitter. Come join me there, where I've had more positive interactions. Yeah. Uh, and then also Discord, where because of the sort of isolated the the room style structure of Discord, uh, yeah. that's where I'm I'm really trying to get most of my my stuff done. We've got a new mythology Discord channel. If you're interested, hit me up. If you're yeah. you know if if you don't want to join that, uh, but you do want to friend me on on uh, uh, Discord, that'd be great. We'll we'll get that set up. I've been I've just enjoying the fact that if I don't want to hear I don't want to I don't want a news feed the way Facebook is the news feed on Facebook yeah. is just so depressing right. when you see it when you see what you want yeah you've had to go through ten posts of people you don't care about well and new news flash uh, that's about to get worse I was in a um, a conference call for my day job the other day just on social media trends and stuff like that. And Facebook is now changing. Everybody's changing for that matter to be more like TikTok. So, you know, they are going to now over time start to show gradually show you more content from pages that you don't even follow just because they think you might be interested in it because they're trying to mimic that. TikTok is more of an entertainment platform. You don't get on TikTok really to connect with family and friends. Right. You get on it because you want to be entertained by dumbass 15 second videos. Facebook is now going to try and mimic that. And so is Instagram because that's frankly what the trend is. That's what's hitting right now. I mean, you hate TikTok all you want. And I do. I'm not going to be on that SOB, but it's a major success. And a lot of people are there. So I know uh, next Thursday, I've got a call with somebody from Meta, which is Facebook mm -hmm. as far as marketing. So we'll see what they have to, you know, there's some different things coming or what they can offer. We'll as see. long as you want to run ads, people are still going to see your stuff. Yeah. But as yeah, far as native, I, I native pages I mean, and profile posts. Yeah. Mm, I think I've run enough ads to where their, their marketing people has called, reached out to me and said, Hey, you know, let's talk. So nice. We'll see. Yeah. We'll That's see. Nice. Um, We'll see what they have to say. I mean, it's, you know, obviously, um, you know, time, I, Last time I talked to them, they gave me, hey, you should try this. I did try that. It didn't work. Oh, uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> so if you if you can't give me anything new, you know. Right. Rob, what you got? Oh, I was just going to say, I, um, I, I get that, but I don't know that the, the investment in Facebook is, has been worth it over the last year or two. Yeah. Um, I, I still post all my, you know, we were talking about mailing list. I post a link to my mailing list every, every time I put one out and I put some links up there. I don't know that that's driving any real traffic to be honest, because again, the algorithm doesn't show it. I'm not paying Facebook right. any money. Therefore I'm not, I'm not worthy of their attention. Right. And and that's okay. That's their business. But it means that I don't, I don't have to, to be a part of it. Whereas right. Twitter, I've been getting a lot more, um, sort of wider interaction between uh, a variety of people uh, right. writing. There's a ton of writing Twitter and the connections you make there uh, has been, have been more consistent and more interesting, honestly. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, trick to Twitter, and and I have to doff the cap to uh, to Gail Z. Martin, who's not a CKP person, but mm. very much somebody that we all know, we all do cons with, and she's kind of a friend. Um, you know, she she made it. We were chatting a long time ago about Twitter and her love of the the CW show Supernatural, and she's like, you know, Supernatural. It, beyond the fact that I just love to get on with other fans and talk about Supernatural, it gives me a topic that I can get on Twitter and talk to people that I don't know who aren't in my circle. And it gives us a common interest that we can kind of discuss. And if they just happen to click my my profile to see that I'm a writer, then so be it. Maybe they go buy a book. But it all started because we were fans of Supernatural and we were just engaging in discussions about our favorite television show. And that was that. And I think that's really kind of the key to to making Twitter work for you as an author and frankly just having fun with it. You have the things that you love to talk about, whether it's music from Rush or whether it's, you know, <laughs> hiking pictures if you're Kevin J. Anderson or uh you know music stuff if you're DJ Butler and all those guys. You know, you can go talk about any number of topics with people that you don't know. And then you click over into your Twitter analytics and 18 people that you don't know from Adam clicked on your profile because they liked your comment about a topic about NASCAR or Van Halen. And they just liked your opinion. Well, who the hell is that guy? And they click on your profile. Oh, he's a writer. He writes sci-fi. I like sci-fi. Maybe you sell a book. I've sold, I've got a couple of, of staunch readers um, who are Dallas Cowboys fans who the comments have come up, you know, what, what do you do? Oh, I do this. I do that. They bought all my books. They're cowboy fans. We talk on Cowboys Twitter all the time. Yeah. And topic comes up, you know, what do you do or, you know. That, that and, reminds me of the question you asked. Guerrilla marketing. Yeah. Um, it's just like guerrilla warfare. It's just, it's, it's something everybody doesn't think of. It's done differently. So in guerrilla marketing, and I don't know if you want to try this, and I have done this, and I've sold books from it. New song comes out by somebody, and I don't care. You know, Ronnie Dunn put out a new album, and. And I literally, in my comment, amongst the other 40,000 people liking this post, wrote, I stopped what I was doing tonight, was supposed to finish another chapter on my next novel to listen to this album. It's great. Yeah. If you don't think that country fans scrolling through all the comments didn't see that and click, who's this guy? Yeah. You're crazy. Because I yeah. guarantee you it doesn't. Yeah. And I see movement and it's guerrilla marketing. And I, and I've done that before, you know, uh-huh. somebody posted, you know, I, I don't drink anymore. And there's a couple pages I'm part of and who's up tonight and avoiding the bottle. I'm up tonight. And I'm writing like I always do next chapter in my novel. If you don't think people didn't click to see who there I you am, go. guerrilla marketing. Yeah. I, I do that too, honestly. Yeah. I mean, and, and I, I may not be as blatant about it sometimes, but you know, just a little bit here. Oh, you know, i what was great in your world? Oh man, I got another chapter done. Or yeah. man, this new character in this novel is better than I thought he was going to be. I, I can't wait to see where he where he takes me in my writing. Right. Yeah. 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 Just well, and I'm I'm the world's. I don't like being a, a self salesman. I I do it and I try and do it fairly well, but it's not something I really like. I've never been that look at me, look at me, look at me guy. And I think that's, you know, one of the many reasons why Twitter just resonates a little bit better for me, because I would rather talk about other stuff. Oh, you like Joe Bonamassa? Hell yeah. I saw him in Durham. He was outstanding. Blah, 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 blah. And then if they just so happen to click on my profile, well, there it is. You know, you can see in the the pin post, here's my latest book. You can see right. on the cover graphic that my next book is coming out in March of 2023. It's called The Last Argonaut. 
there's pretty much everything you know about need to know about author me. But you came and looked that up about me. So there it is. I didn't have to go solicit that or shove that down your throat to try and work it into the conversation. We're just talking about blues guitar here. Well, well, you you said the key thing there. You can put that in if you're being honest. Like, for yeah. example, if Chris is or if Kevin's like, I really am. As here I am not drinking. Here I am writing, not drinking. Yeah, yeah that's being honest tonight. Yeah, that's being honest. Yeah. But you don't. I don't go into every conversation on Twitter. Well, because no, I'm no, a writer, no, you, I, you know. No, you yeah. don't put it in. You don't say those yeah. things when they're not actually yeah. relevant or right. something like that. Uh, that's dishonest. That that's right. when and, I, and I did and I did stop writing for the night and listen to his whole album. Yeah, you know, and it was great. And so, and you know what? You should get it in because it's the old country. It's cool. the old early nineties country. The latest cool. album by uh by uh Ronnie Dunn. Ronnie Ronnie Dunn is is yeah. You'll love it. Wait, last... wait a second. Did you just say old country? There's nineties nineties country. country. There is. It's the style. It's the old style country because of the new stuff coming on. And well, the no, new no, no. Mix I, of I... pop and the new mix of uh, rap. No, no, no. I get that. I get. I get how you're differentiating from today's country, but yeah. old country. Ain't the nineties to me. Old country no. is the fifties. I was waiting on Rob to jump in on. Yeah, that. hey Rob, listen. <laughs> you, you hear about? You, there's nineties songs that's considered classic rock now, so you might as well just. Get oh, ready I, I get that. I well, think that's strong too. It's, it really is tough for me to wrap my brain some days around the fact that nineties country was thirty freaking years ago. Thirty. That kind of makes me want to cry inside yes. a little bit. So what what so so what I'm telling you is in the 90s when you were loving the new stuff by Travis Tritt, the old stuff was from the 60s. That's what it's yeah. equivalent to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, if I, I have any that. country that I really, really liked, it's all the the Johnny Cash stuff. It's all the the stuff from the 60s and all sure. the stuff from the 70s and earlier than that, you know, Waylon Jennings and and I mean I'm not a big country fan, okay. but if if I have any that I would pick, it would be that older stuff. Sure. Well, if you ever get a chance, uh, the Ken Burns country music documentary, really, really fantastic on NPR. Oh, I might, on, I might um, like that. On PBS. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't know where it's streaming, if it's streaming anywhere, but, um, but Ken Burns, just a great documentary guy. Um, and he did a fabulous job chronicling where country music came from, how it really got its start back into like the twenties. And then the whole move to Bristol, Tennessee, and then later on to Nashville, how the music and the quote-unquote Nashville sound evolved over the decades. Really, really, yeah. really cool I stuff. might very well like that. Good walk. We, we, uh, talk, we talked about this a while, a while back on another show, but have you guys been following the Professor of Rock on YouTube? Uh, I have not yet had a chance. I have not. Oh, you got, huh? I have not. Hang it's on, on my you list. You guys are missing out. This guy just talks about all a reminder this. for 10 a.m. tomorrow morning to go follow the professor of rock on YouTube. Yeah. Okay. You, you really like it. You know, well, British I'll, lady I'll, has me. Uh, <laughs> I do want to watch it. I just haven't watched much YouTube of late. Yeah. I will tell you uh, back to documentaries. Uh, have you seen Sam Nunn's documentary on the evolution of metal? Huh? It came out in, it was a VH1 thing that came out like 2010, 2011, something like that. Back when uh, that metal show with uh, Eddie Trunk yep. and Jim Florentine yep, and yep. Um, I'm blanking on the other comedian that was part of it, uh, which I loved that metal show. And, and so it was 
out at about the same time and you'd watch one and then roll right into the other. It's actually a really good show talking about the evolution and, and, and then a lot of the subgenres and some interesting conversations with a bunch of, a bunch of other, a bunch of various different people, not simply metal acts because. Right. Um, I wonder if that's on Paramount plus because they seem to have all of the old MTV VH1 archive on there. Uh, they've got, and I think I mentioned this on our last episode, Behind the Music is back now. It is a new streaming series on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, they've got new episodes on everybody from Huey Lewis and the News to LL Cool J and a whole bunch of folks. Uh, same thing with VH1 Storytellers. They've got the entire archive of Celebrity Deathmatch, which I was watching the other night, which is still hilarious. Uh, but anyway, but if that was uh, if that had to do with the That Metal Show, I'm wondering if that's on Paramount+. Plus Because that was MTV. Uh, Don Jameson, by the way, is the other one who I never, never can remember him. Right. Uh, it says, well, VH1 up. Oh, it says your favorite VH1 uh, shows are on Paramount Plus. So maybe so. There you go. Uh, I'll check that out. Uh, I could, I really enjoyed that metal show. Uh, got a lot of, a lot of new bands that I didn't, didn't know. And, and frankly, some old stuff that I, I knew, but hadn't really considered in a while. Um, so. Speaking of old old things versus new things, I don't know, and you guys may feel differently about this. <clears throat> There's not a whole lot of new stuff that I really feel like wading into anymore. Um, you know, for the longest time on this show, you know, before you guys came aboard when it was kind of the, the Gen 1 dudes in hyperspace, we talked a lot about popular culture and a lot of that kind of stuff. And there's just none of that anymore really seems interesting to me. And so I do find myself going back to watching old documentaries and old television shows and MTV, whatever, and VH1 behind the music and all the stuff that I haven't seen in 25, 30 years. And so it might as well be new again. And yeah, it's dated, but it's still wildly interesting and way more interesting than anything else that's on TV right now. So I will say that what I think is happening in, in the TV and the movie and, and, and all the entertainment industry is exactly what's happening in our industry. I look at what's coming out from a lot of the traditional publishing and I, I, I read a little bit of it and I find, man, this is, this is boring. Like yeah. they've lost all sense of story. They've lost all sense of energy. It's all cookie, so much cookie cutter, so right. bland and okay, fine. They're trying to pick the, the lowest common denominator to get as many as they can. Well, we know in, in, in our, in our corner of indie publishing that, we're adding that garlic that we were talking about earlier. We're adding those spices and it's not going to be to everybody's taste. I have zero problem. If somebody says, I, I glanced at your stuff. It wasn't in my taste. Great. I hope you find yeah. what's your taste. Yeah. And and I think that's true. You, you, you know, you had the YouTube thing there with uh, this professor Brock. There's a number of other, there's a number of other amazing things that are out there on, on YouTube. That's entertainment stuff uh, that's short. And, and we see lots of independent stuff come out in, uh, a variety of other and and man, the independent music scene. Yeah. Uh, there's tons of great stuff coming out there that uh, I just love finding, stumbling over uh, stuff. Uh, Napalm Records, which is obviously not an in, an independent, but a really small publishing company by comparison to a bunch of others. They've got all this amazing um, metal coming out, especially folk metal from like uh, you know. Scandinavia and Mongolia and and and, and right. Egypt and and all the stuff across the the world, and I'm I'm digging it because it is so filled with flavor. I suspect that 
it's the same thing in, in the movie and TV world. We just haven't had enough outlets for that to really show through. Right. Yeah. I'm kind of waiting on that pendulum to swing back myself. I'm, I'm hopeful it gets there. We'll see how long it takes. Kev, how about you, man? You, you watching anything oldie goldie these days? No, not really. Uh, I mean, the old stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, every now and then I'll, if, I don't take a lot of time to watch TV or anything else, but sometimes on YouTube, I'm watching McHale's Navy and, <laughs> and Black Sheep Squadron. Oh, I've I'll got watch, the DVDs I'll for that. It. I'll watch an entire episode of of uh, Hogan's Heroes. You know what I mean? I, I just because there's nothing, you know, the old stuff, and I, I don't take a lot of time to watch TV and stuff because I'm too busy. But right. when I do, it's the older shows. So I end up binge watching things like like Black Sheep. I've got both seasons on DVD, like oh, I said, yeah. and and you know I'll binge watch. I'll pick another TV show and binge watch it. I mean, normally when we watch TV together, which we haven't done much of late because of schedules, but when we watch TV together, my wife and I are watching midsummer murders for the 18th time in the first se- first 10 seasons or something like that because we love those those cozy bbc shows together they're just really comfortable for us yeah um the bbc is actually putting out a bunch of i i will say this we we were talking about how we're not seeing a lot of it well that may be true from the american industry but the the bbc is consistently coming up with um good stuff um yeah. it, you know Sort of depends on what you if you like that sort of again. Do you like their version of you know spices spices? Mm-hmm. But if you do, they've got a bunch of great stuff coming out consistently. Um, I don't. You might want to find something else to refer to because they don't use spices. Um, <laughs> they use herbs a lot. Hey, listen, listen. They, they conquered the whole world to get to the spices and never cooked with them. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with it. I don't know. I've had some great curry <laughs> over in England. I've had to, I've actually had some great food over in England. I've had some bad food in England. But when you're walking around and you never know where you're gonna where your next meal is and you just stumble in the next place because it's the only place you can reach because you're exhausted, you don't really care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a true story. My one my one spin through London, I I encountered that more than once by the time I got to the end of the night. It's like, can I please just have something something to eat? I don't really yeah. care what it is. I don't care. Speaking of eat, we posted this on our internal chat just to let everybody know, but I made a couple racks of ribs last week that were just amazing. Oh, oh yeah. So, oh my God. They were good. Yeah. Run me, uh, run me through your process there again. I know yeah, you're like I, a I use a, I use a, a, a three, two, one. Right. So I, I put the rub on them, right? right. I peeled, I peel that membrane off the inside. I always peel the membrane. Right. Some people don't. I do. Then I rub them. Then I put them on the racks for three. Hang on, hours. hang on, hang on. Your rub. Can you tell the rub? Yeah. Like, can you, can you, it, it is all that information? I, it is butt rub, which is, uh, you know, you can buy yep. butt rub. It just says butt rub. Yep. And then I mix a sweet smoky with it. So it's half and half. So it's both. It's okay. not just all one right. or the other. It's a mix. All right. You know what I mean? And oh, once goodness. I get that we're on, getting all his internal secrets in the last yeah, show. You, you can have those. <laughs> but it's, it's three hours on the rack at 225. <laughs> yep. Then it is two hours wrapped in foil, and I put a little uh, apple juice in the foil with them, mm-hmm. and that lays flat, um, obviously, you know, the fat on top, and that's for two hours. And then the last hour, I open up the foil, and I put a wet rub, my barbecue sauce on them, and that's only at 185 for the last hour. So it sort of glazes on there kind of, you know what I mean? I don't want it mm-hmm. dripping off, but I do like Look. wet ribs. So. so do you do the um the the steam and the sauce? Is that in the oven or you just do it on the smoker the whole time? It's all in the smoker. All okay. in the smoker. All right. And then I let them sit on the counter for 30 minutes or so before we do anything with them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's a three, two, one method is what I use. 
but but the rub is just like i said it's a mix of butt rub and then a sweet and smoky okay um, i tried something with the steaks i did for thanksgiving that didn't quite work the way i wanted but it, it shows potential and that's um doing the finish searing with coffee and I had too much liquid on it to, and it kept, it didn't really sear. But if I took, if I reduced the liquid and have, it, it might very well have a neat coffee sear to it. And I really like coffee on flavoring on steak. Uh, it really come, works nicely. Yeah, I don't know that I would have put those two things together. I, I will have to get you to demo me on that because I don't, I'll go into it with an open mind, but as much as I love those two things, I wouldn't think to put them together. Well, um, you can actually find some really good rubs that are uh, out there uh, that are coffee rubs. Uh, it's actually becoming more common. Check your coffee place. Honestly, a lot of coffee uh, places are taking their their grinds and recycling them with salt and all the other things that they put in there and coming up with their own mixes. Okay. One, one thing about the sauce I wanted to add on this, the sauce is a mix too. I literally take... Um, Sweet Baby Ray's mm-hmm. and Bullseye and a Hickory barbecue sauce and mix the three, one third, one third, one third. Okay. To get to get the flavor I like. You know? All right. So it's not okay. just Sweet Baby Ray's. It's not just Bullseye. Mm-hmm. It's the mix. And it works. I've done something similar to that. I've uh, I've smoked ribs. I don't do anything as extensive as a butt rub when I'm going to use a sauce. I tend to keep my seasonings pretty bland. It's salt, pepper, garlic powder. And uh, maybe a little bit of minced onion or onion powder. And I'll smoke with that for, for two hours, two, three hours. And then I steam them in apple juice, like what you talked about. And then I finish it with a sauce. Yeah. Now I do. I, I was using apple wood in my electric smoker. Okay. So, yeah. Not yep. hickory. It was apple wood. Rather than using a sauce, which I'm not a big sauce guy, um, to get a little extra juiciness, I lay bacon on top of a layer of bacon on top. Well, top of my ribs or my uh, brisket well, to yeah. get the bacon t- to <laughs> s- take the take the spices and soak right in. It's just, it's bacon. I mean, you can't, you, go wrong. you can't ever go wrong. And and then afterwards, you've got these pieces of bacon to eat while you're waiting. You know, you, you're setting everything up. Yeah. My dad actually has some hors d'oeuvres for Thanksgiving this year because they came over to our place over here on the beach and uh, and did Thanksgiving with us. He had a couple of. Um, uh, venison fillets that he marinated and then bacon wrapped and grilled. And they were outstanding, yeah, outstanding yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, you, so, when you add bacon to venison, it helps it out a lot because it's very lean meat. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. it's just, just a good combo. Yep. Um, I do. Uh, I use venison and sausage in my chili and that always makes for a really good marriage. It's It's been a while since I've, you know, been hunting and I, I need to get back into it but when when i get a deer process I, I like to use three quarter venison and one quarter boston butt for the hamburger yeah and that gives you a good you know what i mean so yeah yeah you can't you a little more it's not cheap when you go buy the boston butt and bring it to the bring it to the uh processor but then, you know it's all part of yeah it. you you can't do just straight venison no, like it's no. just too lean It'll, typically yeah. when i do that if i'm going to do hamburgers here at the house like if i'm going to actually grill I'll take a pound of ground venison and then I go get a pound of the cheapest ground chuck you can get. That's like 60, 40 and, right. uh, and mix those together. And typically that does fine. I, I get a good burger out of that. It still has plenty of flavor. It's juicy. It doesn't fire up on the grill quite as much as if you were doing right. pure ground beef, but right. it still gives you a good tasty, juicy hamburger. 
be great with blue cheese in it. <laughs> That's the rumor. That is the rumor. Do you, do you uh, Rob, do you make those with a pocket, put the blue cheese in and put another patty on top? No, I just, when I'm doing, when I'm doing steaks, I'm throwing all the spices in and I'm throwing the crumbles in and then I'm just, you know, mashing it all together and then pounding it out so that there are, you know, little pieces of, of blue cheese within it. And then, uh, and then I put cheese on top because more cheese is better and, and bacon and, and grilled onions. And, you know, one you, thing I am going to do is take a page out of a friend of mine's book. Uh, go get you a, you know, couple of top loin sirloins, just a, a cheap, cheap steak of some kind, cut it up into slivers, marinate it in your chop house, whatever, Lowry's, Jack Daniels, whatever grilling sauce you like, just a, a chop house, steakhouse marinade, and then hollow out jalapeno peppers, put a little bit of cream cheese in there, and then put your slivers of steak in, wrap the oh, whole nice. thing in bacon, toothpick it, and grill it. That sounds and Grill really it good. until the bacon is done. Yeah, it might be all right. Money. Yeah, Rob, have you, have you have you seen the technique where you fill the inside with the blue cheese? Have you seen that? Yeah, I have. Uh, yeah. That you know seemed like more art than I really wanted. I don't. I I want to get my burgers mixed yeah. so I can get them on the grill because I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I will say that you know that's an interesting thought. You you said something in there. I wonder. So you said Jack Daniels and all of that. And of course you meant the Jack Daniels sauce. Yeah. The grilling sauce. You know, that makes me wonder about trying to take some, uh, some, some decent bourbon and, and splashing it in and, and uh, bringing it down or putting it in part of my marinade. My marinade is generally speaking starts with um, half and half soy sauce to water and then spice to taste. Might be very interesting to add some some oakier flavors because yeah. mostly what I'm drinking these days is the the um, the bourbon that has the oak spire in it. Okay, um, it literally has a piece of oak in it. Actually, I have all right. So not redneck review. Got no, it. no, no. Got it. It's it's this is the rye version, but you can see. You can kind of see, except for the light, you can see that there's a, oh, there we go. You can see that there's the spire of oak in there that really gives it a nice flavor. Cool. So that's. We'll have to bring a been, bottle of that to the next con we're at. I'd like to try that. All right. I think that can happen. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Oh, and the uh, oak is nice because you can pull it out and you can do some things with it. All right. So this has pretty much officially been the most dudes in hyperspace episode of dudes in hyperspace ever. Like I think we have we've duty. covered we've covered everything on this show. We've talked books, we've talked schedules, we've talked events, we've talked projects, we've talked craft, we've oh, talked oh. college football, we, we talked the NFL, we talked bourbon, we talked grilling, we talked smoking, music. We covered music. What else we got? Go Cowboys. <laughs> Who looked uh, really good this uh, year, by the way. I, I will say this. I started this year thinking that the Bills were the best team, that the Chiefs were the second best, and that whoever came out of the AFC was going to be dominant over the NFC team. At this yeah. point, it seems pretty clear that the best team are the Eagles, second best team are the Cowboys, third best team are the Chiefs, and the fourth best team are the Bills. Now, we are literally two-thirds of the way through through the season. Yeah. I counted it out. The Cowboys have, let's assume they get to the Super Bowl just to count it out. That means that they would have 
another nine games to play and they're they've only they've already played 12 it's a 21 game season if you don't win your division or if you're not the number one seed rather right. so 21 games uh and so we're 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 not even two-thirds of the way through so that yeah. could totally change but right now uh the eagles look astounding much as i hate to say it yeah. uh the progression of jalen hurts like i looked at Jalen. Yeah, last year, and he was not a good quarterback. He no. has become a good quarterback. He really has. And and you know, listen, man, you root for stories in sports, and you root for the good guys. And how often is it that you see a guy who was a you know projected to be a Heisman Trophy finalist on the perennial powerhouse team in a sport get benched at halftime of the title game? and see him sitting on the sidelines rooting on the guy who replaced him for the good of the team. That's the caliber of guy that you're dealing with in Jalen Hurts. And I'm not a Bama guy by any stretch of the imagination, but I thought the level of class and grace that that kid showed when he was at Bama, when he got replaced by Tua, and every Bama fan on the face of the planet was rooting for him to succeed at Oklahoma, which he went on and did. And I I mean, I still didn't believe that he was going to turn out to be a decent NFL quarterback. I always thought he would be the athlete who was just a bit too average throwing the football to be able to make it at an elite level. Really happy that he seems to be proving me wrong. His anticipation this year is better than it ever has been. His ability to to dissect defenses, which he wasn't terribly good at, and which is one of the reasons why Tua replaced him at the time, because Tua had a better feel for that uh, at a much younger age. But that being said, both Tua and Jalen have proven this year that that what an embarrassment of riches there they had. So I, I really can't argue with the uh, with the Eagles being the number one team. It's going to be a hell of a game between Dallas and the Eagles in a couple of weeks. Yep. Um, yeah, that'll be a war. But I will tell you yeah. this, right now, that game doesn't matter. You know what game matters? Mm. When the Cowboys play the Eagles in the playoffs, because yeah. that's the game that's going to they're, – they're so far – well, we might see it with uh, San Francisco, but right now – Without Garoppolo, I got to say Cowboys and the Eagles are ahead of ahead of San Francisco, yeah. and I, I, I'm not yet on the Brock bandwagon. Well, Brock Purdy bringing, bandwagon. Bringing this whole hour and a half diatribe or whatever it's been now, full circle. That right there is one reason why we in college football land loved college football more than the NFL. Yeah. Because when those two powers get together in the regular season to square off. There is no guarantee you're going to get a rematch. Well, we don't know for sure. That day, and that we we don't know for sure. That up the intensity to a whole nother level. Yep. Well, if the Eagles lose a game between now and then, and the Cowboys don't, and the Cowboys play uh, Houston this weekend and Jacksonville next weekend, now the Eagles don't have much stronger of a schedule. But if the Eagles lose a game, then all of a sudden that game becomes for the number one seat yeah. because the Cowboys well, would be in the, are, would, you know, if it weren't, except for the divisional structure, the Cowboys are the number two team. There's a, there's a reason why we haven't seen an undefeated team since the 72 Dolphins. Oh, it's, it's any given Sunday and you can be the worst team in well, the league and you got correct. freak athletes and you could win a game. And I will and, also tell you that the, the, the Dolphins had a really easy schedule that year. Yeah. Right. But I'm just Natalie, saying, 
anybody can beat anybody in the NFL. Natalie and I were talking about that this past weekend. I was watching the um, the Cincinnati-Kansas City game before that started to get out of hand. And I, I told her, I said, you know, this is – I was like, we all hearken back to yesteryear and we remember the glory days and the Montanas versus Marinos and Aikman versus Kelly versus Steve Young and, you know, all of the, you know, the, the classic storylines that we all grew up with loving in our generation. You could make the argument – that the on the field product that is the NFL today has never been better than what it is now. Because is on any given day, good. the Jacksonville Jaguars could beat the Philadelphia Eagles or, yep. you know, pick the pick Indianapolis Colts team. came within this much of beating the Eagles. Yeah. Yeah. Every game is a story in and of itself. And rarely ever, ever do you get a blowout. Every well, game is competitive into the fourth quarter, and that yeah. makes for compelling drama. And and let's look at the Cowboys Colts game. Like, yeah, sure, fifty-four to to nineteen is the final score. But if you watch the game, the the Colts were really keeping the Cowboys in check, and it was twenty-one nineteen. Yeah. Somebody on somebody made a reference in one of the podcasts I was listening to that it seemed like a college game in that. Quite often, you'll see somebody come into Georgia and they'll hold and they'll hold and they'll hold. And then finally, the dam breaks and you see the fourth quarter explode. And that's exactly what happened. Right. But you, but it's your point. Like, we look at one of the most lopsided results, a 35-point defeat by the Colts. And yet, that game was not out of hand until just a, just an explosion. Yeah. And a lot of that was driven by luck. Let's be honest. Well, that's that, that whole any given Sunday. My Falcons got a terrible record this year. People think they're an awful team. Got a new quarterback, how team, too. How many teams in the NFL have lost six games by less than a touchdown each? That's and how and that's luck. How that is, is that? actually driven by luck. Um, and people Less don't than realize. a touchdown, six losses. Come on. Are they really that bad? Close or games. Or they just need a little bit? Close games are so often cited by one play here and there, and we know that that is not a skill that translates year to year. Right. Uh, uh, Robert Griffin III said, oh, my goodness, uh, the uh, Eagle – no, it wasn't the Eagles. Uh, some team was so good because they have this great record in one-score games. No, 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 no. That's a lot. Great teams win by a lot and are in fewer close-score games because those could go either way. And that's what happened in Washington to the Eagles. And that's what happened to the Colts against the Eagles. Those things kind of balance out. Now, they don't balance out over a a season because a season in the NFL is really not a big sample size. It's a tiny sample size. Right. So your, your Falcons are a candidate for what I would call regression to a winning season by, by virtue of the fact that if they have a really bad um year on um one score games mm-hmm. like if they're 0 and six in one score game i i don't know what the record is in one score but let's say they're 0 and six odds are well, that that's going to go touchdown that they're that they're going to go to three and three mm-hmm. which is a th- a three game change yeah. And that's huge. You know, if you were five and five and twelve, and you just do a three-game change just off of luck, you're suddenly an average team. Yep, yeah. no doubt. Yeah. Well, I mean, the NFL—it all comes back to quarterback play now. 
You know, if you don't have enough, and it's why it's why you see everything go down the way that it does in the draft every year, man. It is all about the scramble to try and find the franchise quarterback if you don't have one. And Atlanta don't have one. Marcus Mariota no. was never going to be that guy. Now we'll find out if Desmond Ritter is. Um, maybe we'll be. Did obviously did some things at Cincinnati. Um, you know, third round draft picks have certainly succeeded in in the NFL before. So we'll, we will see, and if not, then they will be in the hunt to find a franchise quarterback next year. Uh, Ritter, by the way, my, my assessment of him is Ritter did not have the greatest of physical tools to work with, but there aren't many quarterbacks that have come out of the NFL that have been quite so right. um, good at, at reading defenses and anticipation and the polish right. kind of thing. Well, Peyton Manning Brady, had the Brady proved speed. that you don't have to be a physical specimen to be a master of the game. And he, he was, was never the biggest guy. He was never the strongest arm. He was never mobile. So, you know, I mean, if you're a student of the game and a student of your craft, that goes a long way. I'm not saying Ritter is going to be Brady or anything like that. I will say that he has a chance. I will say it also depends on how Atlanta does around him. Um I one of the things we forget about Brady sometimes is that the team around him was really good, and that gave him a chance to just be in the in his early part of the career mostly a bus driver. And he, while he was a bus driver, he was getting better every year. He had all those reps, mm-hmm. and if Ritter can get reps, lots of reps, then I think that he's got a chance to do something. Um, yeah. We'll see. Uh, remember Joe Burrow's career. Joe Burrow, who is quite possibly paying quarterback better than anybody else in the NFL right now. Um, Joe Burrow's career he went to OSU. He wasn't good enough to start at Ohio state. Yep. Goes to, to LSU has a mediocre because the offense wasn't really styled for yep. him. And, and he, you know, the, all the, there were players there, but it wasn't meshing. And then he has this transcendent year. Yep. And, and one of the knocks on him coming out was we were off to the races, right? And one of the knocks on him coming out was what, well, well, sure, he had a great year. Sure, he looks great and everything like that. And okay, fine if you want to make him the first pick. But he only did it the one year. I'm, we're not sure if he can do it. Well, yeah, what he had was a chance to to grow at LSU. And and honestly, the Cowboys played him in in week two. And at that time, he was still recovering from his appendicitis. I really think the Cowboys lose that game against the Bengals in week two. And who knows where the Cowboys are at that point if they if right. if that happens. Um. But what he's been since he's gotten healthy, yep. And also that offensive line is finally starting to to gel. You know, I said that the Chiefs and the the Bills are one and two in the AFC. Well, that third chasing really closely, I think, is the Bengals. We'll see what happens there. Yep. It wouldn't surprise me if that's if they come back out of it. Kev, let me ask you this, man. If uh, if Desmond Ritter does not pan out, you're looking at this crop of quarterbacks that are coming out of college this year heading into the draft next year. Is there anybody in particular that you would really circle as saying, I think that guy's a player at the next level, or are you going to hedge your bets until the following year when you've got a few more prospects? Alabama's got a good quarterback this year. I think he's coming out. Do you believe in Bryce Young? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he's a good one. He's going to go one. He's going to go number one. Yeah, somebody's going to grab him up. Um, Yeah, I I don't know. He's good. I mean, obviously, Ohio State's got a good quarterback. Michigan's got a good quarterback. So, I mean, there's there's a handful out there there, but you just never know. You you can get some superstar that just rides the bench and just never does anything. You never know. Right. You know, and and 
he has a problem. And and then again, you get somebody like Tom Brady who's been playing how many years, and it took somebody getting hurt for him to get a shot. You know yeah. what I mean? Drew Bledsoe, yeah. Yep. I mean, let's look at Johnson for Tampa. They won the Super Bowl. Remember him? Mm-hmm. He was a backup quarterback at Florida State. He never started. Yep. He was just the right size, and so he got a shot in the NFL, and he took it and ran with it. But he was a backup at Florida State. He wasn't even a starter. And and that's going to be interesting to see what happens to Bryce Young. Uh, 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 he's not big. No, he's not. And one of the reasons that we're seeing Russell Wilson fall off a cliff is that oh, his that. in his mobility is down, and he can't see the same sight lines he could see. And and right. I suspect so in baseball we see certain types of players fall off a quick sooner fall off a cliff sooner because their their physical profile doesn't necessarily translate all along. Right. Um, I wonder if we look back at uh, most small quarterbacks to see if they have a, a much more of a cliff thing. Drew Brees, Drew, Drew Brees, that Drew Brees, if mm. I learn how to talk. Obviously, his career went longer and more successful, but in those last couple of years, his inability yeah. to to get ball downfield and the inability to see some of those sight lines yeah. hampered him greatly. So there was yep. a bit of a cliff there. Yeah, his uh, his arm strength, man, he had a freaking pop gun by the time he retired. That was sad to see, but it is what it is. Well, fellas, we are, as noted before, ticking past an hour and a half. So I think we could obviously ramble on about all of this stuff for well past that. And we will down the line, whether it's to do a a live pod at a con on the CKP YouTube channel or something somewhere along the line, we'll get together and, and, you know, do another one of these at some point down the line. Uh, Guys, for, for folks following along at home, Thank you so much for being a part of the Dudes in Hyperspace. Um, as noted before, if you're not following us online, go do it. Go to robhowell.org. Go to kevinsteverson.com. Go to ianjamalone.net. Sign up for our mailing lists and keep tabs on us. Obviously, we'll want you to follow us on social media, but the newsletter really is the way to keep tabs on what we got going on. And we all try and stay pretty regular on that. Also want to give a quick shout out to all of the people who have come along and been a part of this show in, in the way of guests the Kevin Eikenberries of the world, the Chris Kennedys, the Kevin J. Andersons. Bob Sturm. Bob Sturm, absolutely. Uh, Dave Hayes, Kyle Wright, all those guys. Uh, We've had some fantastic guests over time, talking about everything from the NFL to New York Times bestselling books to music. Um, It's been a fun ride. So, you know, if you're watching this show, Casey Azell, if you guys are watching Marisa Wolf, if you guys are watching this show, certainly was a blast talking with you we hope to do it again sometime down the line uh one more shout out to all of our sponsors chris kennedy publishing make sure you go check them out at chriskennedypublishing.com lots of good reads happening there and uh the folks at the international association of science fiction and fantasy authors speaking of ckp a couple of really cool new releases this week uh we've got vortex stingray brand new book coming out from kevin eikenberry in the uh, guardian covenant series i'll drop the link to that in the show notes Uh, Also, same thing from uh, the last Marine series from William S. Frisbee. Revolution Calling is the new book that's out this week. And Pandora's Box from Christopher Nuttall is in the fantasy side of things. It's on pre-release. It actually comes out on the 20th, but you can get it now. Go go find Rob Howe. Check him out. He'll throw you links to all of that stuff. All right? RobHowe.org. Check it out. 
So, uh, well, folks, thanks again. We really, really appreciate it. Catch up with us on social media. Catch up with us at a con. We love to talk about all kinds of things, as you can clearly see from this, uh, from this episode. <laughs> we love you guys. And, uh, fellas, love you guys. Y'all take it easy. Don't be strangers. And uh, I'm sure I'll be seeing you around the bend. See you. Later. All right, guys. See you.